Well, hello everybody, and welcome to Happy Times and Places, a positively inclined Doctor Who commentary podcast in which I, Toby Haydock, get a special guest to choose a story, nominate their favourite things about it, and I have to guess what those favourite things are. Hello, um, my name is Paul Cornell, I'm a writer, and um, you can find me on paulcornell.com. And um, my um, story that I'm going to nominate for Toby is The Curse of Peladon. Well, welcome everybody, and uh, thanks to Paul Cornell, a very pithy Paul Cornell. I'm a writer, he says. He's not just a writer, he's a Doctor Who writer. And in fact, when I was a time tot, I, got, I only got a hand, my hands on a couple of sort of fanzines uh, or, or Doctor Who Appreciation Society, you know, stuff. Uh, and he was the he was the writer. He was the fan writer. Um, so he's a name I've known since I even heard about fandom, although I was never really, you know, actively involved um, in Drass or anything like that. But I knew his name. Uh, and then, of course, he became a writer um, professionally uh, and ultimately a writer of um, some of the very best of TV's Doctor Who. And I've not quite sure why he's not um why he's not done more and actually i'm due to do um human nature family of blood that he wrote very shortly which is one that i expect to be a fairly easy one to eulogize because i i love it uh, and i've met paul at conventions uh and always found him very uh affable and friendly and he was one of the first people i i, I asked to do this who replied so probably over a year ago sorry paul um it's just uh, I sent out a big flurry, and um, I sort of do the order uh, that I that I fancy, and I try and mix up the doctors, of course. Um, and I have to be honest with you. Um, now this isn't a, are you okay, hun? I'm feeling a bit. I've just been sitting twiddling my thumbs and wasting time, and feeling a little bit of. Uh, uh, sort of, it's the beginning of the year as I record this. Uh, the, you know, the dark nights are here. Um, the beginning of the year is a freelancer. You always think you'll never work again, and <laughs> and uh, my my birthday is over already. And I'm feeling a bit sorry for myself. I'm just feeling a bit glum, and I don't want to go on Facebook and go. I'm feeling a bit. Oh, and I've had a few things that have not quite worked out, and yeah, just I'm just yeah, I'm just a bit. Oh. Um, so what I need to do is the two things I do to always try and make me feel better in these situations is one, watch a bit of Doctor Who, uh, and in particular a bit of comfort Doctor Who. So I thought, ah, oh, yeah, this will definitely the Curse of Peladon. What's not to love about the Curse of Peladon? Never a particular favourite of mine, but also not one I, I dislike either. So I'm looking forward to sort of diving in and, and actually going, well, I've, you know, I've always enjoyed it, but I've never sort of, you know, eulogized it or had it in a top 10 or anything so let's let's dive in and you know try and accentuate the positive and the other thing i do to try and you know to always try and beat the dark is to do a bit of you know performance or sharing or whatever whatever this is you know i'm a, a, a something creative even if my creativity is just watching doctor and talking out loud into a void so um so yeah sorry if that's a bit of a modern thing to go um, i'm having a bit of a bad time i'm not i'm just pissed just a bit pissed off and uh uh and i think we all feel like that don't we and um 
and and the way to deal with it is not to oh and I've you know today is the day that uh, Nadine Dorries has gone to war on uh, the BBC and I've seen friends of mine you know get involved in great big back and forth with people being very mean to each other on the internet that's been doing my head in I have a rule not to get involved at the moment just because I think you don't change anybody's mind and I I just don't like the kind of discourse but it means I've been feeding off all that sort of negativity and a couple of other bits of negativity from from elsewhere in my sort of professional life and I just sort of uh, oh well look if you're at home and you're feeling a bit glum or uh, if you're feeling happy um uh, (laughs) I don't know I don't know what you say I'm to if you're feeling happy um well, I don't know. Anyway, it's nice that you're there. But if you're feeling a bit glum, you are not alone. But the way to deal with it is not to... I've seen so many friends get absolutely sort of infuriated. The internet is... It's a tricky old thing. Um, so maybe I need to pull out of the galactic federation of tweeters and Facebookers and uh, and be an autonomous republic of Haydok here in my living room. Anyway, I don't know. Sorry. Shall I cut that? No, this is what it is. I'm going to watch Doctor Who and I'm going to accentuate the positive because that's what this podcast is. But um, I also don't think it rings true if if the the idea that I do this is because I'm a cheerful person. I'm absolutely not. I'm always I'm always arming myself against the forces of darkness who uh, are always there tapping me on the shoulder. Uh, So, you know, I'm no goody two shoes. This is this is. This is hard fought, this this, uh, positive thing I've got going on or try to maintain. But Doctor Who makes it easier for me because I love Doctor Who and I love all you for listening. Uh, And I'm I'm very much like Paul Cornell, uh, who I've only met through fandom, but I've socialised with a bit and gone to conventions. I've actually been to his house because we do a fantasy cricket team sometimes that Paul sets up that's, uh, that's sometimes a cause of joy and sometimes a cause of great upset and anger actually (laughs) but uh, no it's a nice thing that Paul organises so listen up Um, that was a bit of a long preamble let's watch Paul's Choice Doctor Who and the Curse of Peladon I'm watching on Britbox other things are available including the DVD I've got on the shelf but I'm still on a free month's trial from Britbox so I'm going to press play in 3, 2, 1 now uh, no I'm, I'm not sponsored by Britbox by the way I'm not sponsored by anybody apart from uh, patrons so right so that took ages to load up so nobody's in sync uh, that is the beginning of Doctor Who and the Curse of Peladon which no I am not going to skip intro oh and I need to have the uh, remote controlled hand in case it tries to get rid of the closing titles which will make me kill again if <laughs> if it does uh so doctor who and the curse of peladon uh we had the book we always had the book it was one of the early books and it was a nice one to flick through i always thought it was called brian haley's until i got older and realized how words work um by which time he was uh, you know, everyone on my target bookshelf seemed to be i learned very quickly was dead uh, malcolm hulk anyway Mal- yeah malcolm hulk david whitaker and brian hales brian hales died at my age actually i think 48 um before the Moon Stallion went out, which was his final work that Sarah Sutton was in, um, but our, we always had the book, and it has some some nice internal illustrations. I always like the book with the internal illustrations. But what I loved about the book cover of this is that it, you know, it promised so much. It's got a great 
Chris Achilleos, who, as I record this, died last month, um, uh, cover with a sort of polka-dotted doctor's face, or whatever that, that, that way of doing it is called, and, oh, an ice warrior, and Agador, and Alpha Centauri, and you're going, oh, this one looks fun. It's just a, a, man, a menagerie of monsters. Um, there's a nice performance here from Henry Gilbert as Torbis, who doesn't last long, uh, and I think he's bald in the book in the, because there's the illustration of him getting killed by Agador and he's bald whereas of course on Peladon you can't be bald because you have to have a streak of pink hair to denote your 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 courtly status um, this is interesting because watching this as I am on Britbox the, the, the sound is slightly out of sync now we have a few issues with that but actually I, I don't object to it on Curse of Peladon because my video copy of The Curse of Peladon always had a slightly sound out of sync issue um in fact i've probably seen the curse of peladon with its sound slightly out of sync more than i have with its sound in sync so um i'm not going to i'm not going to mess about with this he's uh, yes he's good henry gilbert uh, and this is nicely shot this is you know this is very much you know courtly intrigue exposition backstory drop but it's elegantly done and henry gilbert um died a year to the day after this episode was broadcast um so uh, the, there must be a record for um the length of time between appearing in doctor who and dying but uh, i can't well actually jean conroy uh, gets that who's the young woman in the wood in dalek invasion of earth because she actually died before her episode was broadcast um but that's one for another time but anyway a year to the day uh, uh i just notice is a is a you know is uh, is an interesting uh, chronological curio um so gosh that means that means he was he was dead before i was born isn't that extraordinary i've i've, I've sort of seen him so much and i've learnt little bits about him there's not much to know about him but but you know i i can picture i know who he is people say who plays torbis in ghost peladon henry gilbert he died a year to the day i was a, and yet he was actually dead before i was born so my, during my whole existence, there has been no Henry Gilbert. And there's about to be no Henry Gilbert. But this is really nicely directed, all of this. I think, you know, as I say, it's, it's fairly standard, you know, medieval courtly corridors. You know, we've seen all this sort of thing before. But um, the set design is very nice. The set design has a sense of decent scale to it, seeing as we're sort of stuck indoors. Um and it feels and looks good and the, and the colour scheme's nice and uh, 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 and it is the spirit of Agador curse of Pellet ah ah I, do I need to do a podcast on um, stories in which the story title is is spoken out loud the ancient curse of Peladon will be fulfilled uh, love this uh, love this always love a model shot they're not as common I think as I, I was maybe led to believe as a as a kid, just because I think I saw lots of Doctor Who that I saw early was Doctor Who with model shots in it. Um, but I love the TARDIS landing on 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 the side uh, of, of Mount Mageshra. Um and I, uh, this was a pleasant surprise for me to see because I got home from school and oh, and I think I've already mentioned this because I've done Genesis of the Daleks. Mum said. Uh, there's a thing called Doctor Who and the Monsters on tonight The Curse of Peladon and went, well that's not Doctor Who and the Monsters that's just Doctor Who and it was a repeat season we'd already had the five faces of Doctor Who but this was uh, this was um, The Curse of Peladon edited into two parts um, and and I think Genesis and Earthshock all, all edited down 
but uh, a nice little unheralded for me anyway i you know i didn't i didn't have my ear to the ground in uh, that the it would be you know you didn't know in those days you just had to i mean god i would sometimes spend entire afternoons um channel hopping just in case there was an unscheduled doctor who repeat and i actually did get get occasionally get luckier didn't they repeat the, the awakening one one sunday or something i definitely yeah, so you, you, it would occasionally actually happen. I mean, I always fantasised about I remember fantasising that they'd found the rest of the underwater menace and were going to spring it on an unsuspecting public. Uh, <laughs> um, you can but dream. Um, I, I really like the Doctor's costume. I, li- I like the look of both of these. And I like the idea that Joe is glammed up for a night on the town with Captain Yates because uh, that, of course... That's a brilliant model shot. That that means she's you know she's looking suitably regal. Although would you need to be dressed as a princess to go on a date with Mike Yates? Perhaps. Uh, well, I always thought he'd have his eye on a queen. But um, uh, 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 I love this. Uh, I love this stuff on the mountainside. The fi- the film quality just makes it look uh, so real. Though the, although this is film that has been. Um, reverse standards convention hasn't it so it's got a particular look about it It would look different if it was if it was actually you know uh, the original film transformed from the negative that shot of the model TARDIS descending down the cliff give me that over CGI any day no offence CGI CGI is great but for some reason because I was was brought up on um, I love a model shot and I, I think that that TARDIS falling down well one it's brilliant because it strands our heroes quite often the heroes getting to the story can be a bit tedious you know like, oh come on I want I want I actually want the story to hurry up and especially when I know the story um you know I sometimes get a bit impatient with old two and I go yeah yeah because it's four episodes or six episodes you yeah they, they need to take their time to get here but actually I don't object to it at all in the curse of paladin because I think it's really really well done uh, and actually the story is is starting here and there's plenty of interest and and i think the fact that we've got no location filming but we have that that really well rendered film cliff edge and model stuff going on i th- I, th- I think uh, and that helps with the story because it means that we're separated from the tardis um and it, it just works for me it just works for me in a way that sometimes the doctor and his companion getting to the story doesn't um i love alf i'm so f- do you know what this is what i like about this story is i'm fond of it some stories i admire some stories are a bit spooky some stories are exciting some stories are fun i'm i'm very fond of this story and i i wonder why that is i don't know because it's, it's not a typical um but but we story but it 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 is it is not as unusual for me as it probably was to people who grew up watching John Pertwee, because as I say, it was one of the, if not, it might even be the first, no, it's not the first John Pertwee story I saw, but it's certainly an early John Pertwee story that I saw. Um, And I I sort of, 
I think later on I probably hankered for the for the soldiers and the guns and the unit and all of that sort of stuff. But this is this is very fresh and and and, and different and and I think it's slightly better than some of his other sci-fi ones because and I like Colony in Space, um, but it is a bit dreary and grey. Um, and it has a lot of moustaches in it. Nothing wrong with that, but it does have a lot of moustaches in it. Um, b- but I, 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 I think I like Colony in Space because I try very hard, and it's got Bernard Kay and Morris Perry in it. So it's it's sort of you know I'm I'm gonna like it and John Ringham. I'm gonna I'm gonna like it even if you know I'm gonna tell myself I'm enjoying it even if I'm not. I don't know. <laughs> um, and and the mutants I think is is full of great ideas, but it somehow sort of goes wrong. I actually think this. I, th- I, th- I think this because it's four episodes it, it's it's uh, it doesn't outstay its welcome um, um, but I, I, I don't know it just feels right also in a way that monster of Peladon actually doesn't this is a this is a this is a I think a better production than monster and of course it's shorter um, but I don't know it just holds together but as I said in the introduction interestingly it's not it's not one I'd ever go if you said give me a top ten Pertwee's. I'd go oh, definitely uh, Curse of Peladon. Uh, and when Paul submitted it, I didn't go oh well, I need to do that one straight away. And yet today, when I'm feeling a bit moody, uh, I, I thought oh no, I'm 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 slightly comforted by the Curse of Peladon. It isn't that odd that I'm going for a, 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 an action adventure series. Um, set in a medieval castle with lots of aliens and it's actually like a warm blanket that makes me feel cosy and happy uh, and it does and, and I think everything I think sometimes John Pertwee in his velvet with his big hair uh, enter Terence Sticks going it got more bouffant you know um, uh, can, can, can look a bit you know sort of comical and, and, and a bit much um, and sometimes Joe can look a bit cosy that I actually think Pertwee looks absolutely superb um, and not sort of dated in this. But then again, I've never, I never sort of trust me because I could, I could watch it with somebody else who go, "What on earth is he wearing?" Whereas to me, it actually seems like quite a normal outfit. But um, in the same way that you know we see body horror where other people see sticky tape, um, I see, uh, I see dashing elegance where other people see, um, uh, you know, explosion of seventies. Um, I. I think Brian Hales does a brilliant thing when he goes, well, okay, we've got this planet wants to enter the Galactic Federation. Let's invent lots of aliens. And all of these aliens are great. And this was the bit I remembered most from watching it as a kid was um, Arcturus destroying the Vars. And it's funny, isn't it, that um, actually the the, the genius of Doctor Who is sometimes that, you know, the writers and the production putting things in as a grown-up, you go... Well, that's just a bit of a silly special effect. I don't know why, why have they done that. It doesn't really uh, add to it. Well, it, it means we do know later on that Arcturus has a gun, I suppose. So actually it has a has a plot importance, but it, it's also a, a great moment as a kid to go, oh, the funny alien head thing has destroyed the Vars. It's the bit I remember, you know, very clearly. There are other bits, there are other images in this that I, I, I remember from watching and I remember exactly the room in the house I was when I was a kid and it was so exciting but I think Brian Hales being absolutely brilliant going you've got all these alien delegates and you've got uh, Agador the Beast of Peladon um, uh, and I, actually I think this 
this video conversion that they've done that gives it this slightly sort of pastelled, slightly fuzzier movement. Um, actually, dare I say it, sort of works in its favour. It gives it a sort of fireside feel. It, 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 it I, 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 you know, I can. It, it, it sort of complements the 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 sort of flamey lighting. There's a beautiful shadow here, um, and and I love the way that Epesh keeps going. <laughs> She's the Earth woman. He goes, that's you, that's my mum you're talking about. Um, but I totally buy the relationship between these two. Um, I think Jeffrey Toon is a wonderfully dignified actor, um, who of course was, um, he's Temesis in the Dalek movie. Um, I actually met Jeffrey Toon, he was touring in a production of And Then There Were None, which also starred Lieutenant Scott from Earthshock, and Davros, Michael Wisher was in it, um, and, and various others, Douglas Fielding from Zed Cars. Um, so I've got Jeffrey Toon's autograph, actually. Um, I don't, I don't think I had a camera in those days, or if I did, I didn't get a picture. No, I didn't get a picture. You would now, wouldn't you? You'd get a selfie with Hepesh. But I met Jeffrey Toon. In later life, he lived with the actor Frank Middlemas, who I I once uh, I served towards the end of his life in a, in a cafe I was working in. So I met, met both of that household. And I, I never quite got... I don't know if they were... I, 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 I think they were just chums, but you, you never know with the acting profession. You know, did, they, did they help each other out if they were tired? I don't know. But uh, anyway, I love uh, I love uh, Jeffrey Toon in, in this. It, it's 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 uh, again, it's stuff that can easily be over the top or hokey or hammy. But he's got he's got a proper stage actor's dignity. He was very he got some sort of um, constriction of the hands, I seem to recall. or He got some frailty about him. I remember seeing him in this production of and then there were none and going, oh, he's he's quite frail. And he actually got killed off quite quickly but he got a decent decent billing um uh and you know obviously oh, well keep working keep working love and uh so yes i had the pleasure i can't remember what we spoke about but i did it was at the stage door of the grand theater wolverhampton and i love all of that eeny meeny miny mo um you know there's a great rapport between these guys and a, a, a cave with a secret you know with a, a, a move move a fl flame holder and it opens a door i love all of that you know and it is a bit it is a bit sort of hokey but i don't care come on it's a kids tea time adventure series you you know i think that that's what makes it sort of cozy and fun you go i i, I you know i accept all of these things and it doesn't mean that uh, doesn't mean i watch doc 2 and accept stuff that's bad i get very annoyed when doc 2 is bad and is lazy but this stuff is done with enough, especially as it bats, bats him and he gets pissed off, <laughs> which is just great. It's a way of having fun with those things and, 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 and not being ashamed of them and not trying to be too, you know, navel-gazing and grown up about it, which I think occasionally uh, Doctor Who fans want Doctor Who to be because we, we feel guilty about it being being fun i remember this i remember this because this was a classic monster for me to see and of course you know when i was by the time i was born well i was born through during the time warrior so in my living memory the ice warriors were never in doctor who you know and a lot that that was the case with a lot of sort of classic who stuff that we loved the top five monsters were the daleks the cybermen the uh, ice warriors the sontarans and and the yeti um well the sontarans didn't turn up in my lifetime 
you know, living memory until the two doctors when I was, you know, well established as a, in my head and viewing as a Who fan. Um, I never saw, oh, we've got a Yeti and the Five Doctors. We never got an Ice Warrior. Never got an Ice Warrior. Um, and uh, here we have the Ice Warrior. And, and I don't think I knew about the Ice Lord, as we must not call them, as the House Stammers Walker book points out in every Ice Warrior story. Popular myths. Sla is an Ice Lord. He is never referred to as such. <laughs> are you going to mention that for everyone? Yes, we are. It's a point we've noticed and we're going to say it every time. <laughs> um, I love Stroppy Arcturus. I love all of these aliens. I think the array of aliens is brilliant, but I don't think I... I don't think I knew of an Ice Lord because I'd, I'd got the book and I'd looked at the pictures. But, uh, I, you know, I was too young to I was too young to have read it or taken it all in. Um, and of course, it is revealed that the Ice Warriors in this are goodies. Now, that to a young viewer blew my mind and seems like the most sophisticated thing of all time this it made me think and I, I, I love his costume and the addition of the cloak uh, from uh, uh, from you know to tart it up from the, the the seeds of death is a is a huge improvement and Alan Bennion is great um, two people promised me Alan Bennion's autograph and neither of them got it for me um, he lived in Brighton uh, died a couple of years ago um, and and the Ice Lord in Doctor Who is probably the, the the pinnacle of his career. He's, you know, he had a decent career, but uh, uh, this is, I think, certainly the most notable thing they did. This is a lovely piece of direction because the Ice Warriors advance, and you go, if you're a racist, you go, oh, I'm a bit intimidated by these uh, these green aliens because all Ice Warriors are bad, and of course, and so it's so disarming. Pertwee does it brilliantly because he does that. I'm a bit scared, and then he does that. Oh, hang on. Uh, and of course, he will always maintain his dignity in a court situation. And that's a great thing about Pertwee's Doctor. I actually, I know people sort of take the mickey out of his fact that his clubbable nature and all that sort of thing. But I, I like the fact that he sets an example in courtly situations and he knows how to say my life at your command to draconians, things like that. That is a great gag and it's really nice in the book. Um, and I think they had that section in the book when in, they did a target they, they, they did some Target specials in Doc 2 magazine, didn't they? And they looked at the different writers. And I'm sure the bit they had from The Curse of Peladon ended with that gag of, you know, Arcturus going, I'm Arcturus, you're late. And that's great because that sort of says everything you need to know about him. He's the Kurt Rude Ted in a box. <laughs> um, and this is, a, this is a brilliant sort of wheeze. They're expecting the chairman delegate from Earth. Uh, they look, they, you know, they, they, they look the part, of course. The Doctor has an inherent class about him. Uh, Joe is dressed as a princess, uh, and Katie Manning rises to the occasion. Uh, but it automatically means, oh, Katie's brilliant in this, and isn't she beautiful? I fell in love with her. I put TH for KM on my exercise book, and I said to my friend, do you know who that is? And he said, no. I said, that's Katie Manning. She plays Joe Grant in Doctor Who. Uh, and I genuinely thought I might be able to marry her. <laughs> uh, maybe part of me still does. Um, I think she's absolutely a, a picture in this, and she's and she's brilliant the way that, that 
Joe, Princess Joe of Tardis. And I think this is a whole great conceit because it's a bit like the time ring in, in Genesis. It's a, it's a thing hanging over our heroes that is always in danger of going wrong because they're, they're lying. They're here under false pretenses. So every time somebody says, we don't, you know, I, I, um, you know um, we'll check with Earth or, or you know, if, if there's an idea that anyone will ever check with Earth or, or, or that the actual Earth people turn up or anything like that, uh, their ruse has gone. And so no matter what good they've done, they will auto, you know, everyone will automatically be able to say, but you're a liar and they're, they're on a sticky wicket. Um, so that's a, that's a brilliant conceit for the storytelling and for having our heroes in constant jeopardy. Uh, constant jeopardy. The, the Doctor improvises brilliantly in this. I'm loving this. I love what Pertwee does. And the Pertwee is not actually a particular favourite of mine. Pertwee was made for this sort of situation. And, I, and, and also the fact that he's still a bit judgmental of the Ice Warriors. Um, but that seems so sophisticated to me that, that the series could go, well, you know those baddies? They can actually be goodies as well. That, to me, is however old I was when this was repeated. What was it? Was it something like 82, was it? I don't know. Um, so, But I wouldn't have been, you know, I was under 10. Uh, made me think God Doctor is the most you know it's it, it's really sophisticated uh, and I think that's and I think that's brilliant that because sometimes I think uh, you, you know people go oh what should we do that's different what should we do different with an alien and you go well don't do something different with it I like that alien because of how it is C cold blood I think is a great idea and a lovely story ice warrior on a on a submarine but it it doesn't it, it then goes, but what I'll do is I'll escape the suit and, and walk around and, 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 and behave like a completely different alien, basically. And then they go, you know that bit where you don't know what's underneath its mask and what's mask and what's not? Well, we're going to give that away as well. It just seemed to me to go, oh, oh and you know the, the hissing that they do, that's their, that's their distinctive method of speech. Yeah, we won't do that either. And then you go, so you've brought the Ice Warriors back to, to not be the Ice Warriors. What? Well, I'm not sure. Whereas this seems to me to be a logical progression because they are sort of dignified and a warrior race and warriors aren't all you know don't you know it's a cliche to say you know all warriors are bad or whatever um all aliens are bad so the idea that they can have changed their warlike ways i love this piece of incidental music and i know it well i don't know why i'm so familiar with this cliffhanger um but it's from obviously it's from subsequent because we didn't have it on doctor who and the monsters oh and i have to press a button or or oh, my reflexes are still there to save the closing titles. God, would I be would I be able to catch something that had fallen? <laughs> Somebody dropped a baby. Would I be quite so nimble? But to save the closing titles of Doctor Who. Um, oh, uh, I like ding 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 ding. So, but I, but but I don't know why I know that 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 closing particularly well because it it didn't happen on the on the first. Yeah, on the first uh, first viewing, because because uh, this, this was episodes one and two together, and I, I love this rendition of the theme. I love this closing titles. I love the name Markle Shah Diane, who is the, uh, the 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 film editor, and Ian Schoons, the special effects, uh, who was a white well, that was cut from the Who's Round. Somebody somebody who knew Ian Schoons that I interviewed said that Ian Schoons was a white witch, and some and I'm if it wasn't a Who's Round, it was some interview I did that somebody said you got to cut that. Okay, but I don't have to cut it from this. Apparently, according to somebody, Ian Schoons was a white witch. There we go. 
Um, uh, but uh, right, so I'm now pausing for episode two. Oh, do you know what? I'd sort of, I'd sort of thought about this before I came, you know, before I pressed play, and I've got. Well, I'm obviously going to choose the fact that the Ice Warriors are goodies because I do love that. I do love that switcheroo. And as I say, that so bewitched me as a kid as being just such an amazing, brilliant idea that made sense and yet I never would have thought of. And I remember saying to him, but the Ice Warriors are good, isn't it? I'm going, oh, yeah, you know, they'd, uh, they'd given up their warlike ways or whatever. And we go, that's just amazing. Um, but actually, that's not... There's still an element of mistrust, isn't there, at this point in the story? So I could maybe choose it later. I could maybe choose it as my bonus thing. Um, but it wasn't the thing that leapt out at me this time. Oh, what leapt out at me this time, which really surprised me. And again, look, when I do this, I'm reacting in real time. And it might just be because, you know, this is, I, I make no suggest, you know, I make no pretense to definitiveness. This is me reacting to Doctor Who as I watch it. Uh, and I wanted something to cheer me up. And that really has, I love just how comforting that was, how snug. I haven't got a, an open fire on, but I feel like I have. I, I don't know if it's the flames of Peladon or the fact that I do associate this. We had an open fire at home when I was a kid, so maybe I watched it sometime in, in the past with an open fire. I certainly feel the open fire whenever I watch The Seeds of Doom and The Claws of Axos because I distinctly remember watching those next to an open fire and, and, and sort of being in the glow of those. And they're on a scotch tape. I can still, I've still probably got it upstairs. Um, but this... This... I mean, it's it zipped. It's a very, very handsome production, um, and and Lenny Main. Lenny Main's productions aren't always, um, you know, the 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 three doctors, uh, you, you know, has has some questionable choices, I would say, and and as I say, Monster of Peladon is a is a totally different operation to 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 this fella. But this I'm this I think is is a handsome production, even though it's. It's stuck in a studio. It does have a sense of scale to the castle. That film work outside is brilliant. That model shot of the TARDIS is just to die for. It's magic. Could have been done by a witch. <laughs> um, but I think I'm just going to have to... And I haven't even mentioned Alpha Centauri. I think I'm going to have to go for the headline news of... Oh, with a sign mentioned to the whole fact that, you know, the Doctor is the chairman delegate from Earth and, and all of that, and Princess Josephine, and that, you know, that hanging over them as potential jeopardy, which I talked about, which I think is so such an elegant piece of storytelling. Um, I think I'm going to have to go for the headline news that we're on a planet with loads of different monsters on it because uh, loads of different monsters have to okay where the Peladon enters the Galactic Federation. Haven't even got... I haven't even mentioned the political subtext. Uh, <laughs> so we'll, I wonder if Paul will go for something along those lines of the fact that there is a, a menagerie of creatures that is just sort of what Doctor Who is all about. But you don't often get stories with a whole number of different monsters in, all with such brilliantly sort of delineated personalities. Um, yeah. If he says it's the the ice warriors being good, I'm going to smash the world to pieces because it because because it will it will remind me of the world I'm trying to shut out at the moment. What has Paul Cornell chosen for episode one? Um, my favourite thing from episode one 
is that Joe is going to go out on a date with Mike Yates <laughs> because that sort of tiny little characterization of the regulars is fascinating. And um, these tiny little snippets, and they were minuscule compared with anything in modern television, really kind of put a just the first beginnings of a structure in place that would last for the rest of the show. From episode two... Oh, uh, uh, oh, phew, I cut that. He's quick, isn't he? He's quick. Um, uh, he's a, he's a scriptwriter of economy, you see. It's just, a, uh, I do agree that that is a wonderful thing. I I love all of that sort of world building that is, as as Paul says, is nothing like to the scale that you get in modern television and modern Who, where you know we know the ins and outs of how sad everybody is, and and that's fine, and that's right, and it's good, and I've wept along with the rest, but you you get you got nothing to that sort of scale in the old days, but the little nods that you did get. Um, just you know, help to build that world and make Doctor Who, although it was a series of different adventures, feel like part of of one big universe. And that was always very very exciting to me as a as a as a as a time tot. Um, so yeah, I accept Paul's choice uh, of um, uh, Joe Grant going on a date with Mike Yates, but sadly that is not what I chose. But uh, I can very much uh, understand why. But I have to say that's one of those episodes where I could have chosen any number of things. Uh, and even the one that Paul chose wasn't on my list of things to choose, but I could easily have happily have chosen that as well. If somebody had said, what about that? And I'm going, oh yeah, I could choose that. So, um, well, not a great start in terms of uh, me winning the competition, but uh, uh, I certainly, do you know what? I certainly feel better than I did 37 minutes ago. God, I must have done quite a long intro. Sorry. Um, it's only a 25-minute episode. Uh, but uh, Doctor Who has left me feeling better than it found me. And that is... the that is If a piece of entertainment does that, it's done its job. Everything else is gravy. And believe me, uh, my, my house is swimming in Doctor Who gravy. But for the fundamental job uh, of, uh, of, uh, of improving my... Di- diverting me from the rigours of everyday life as a 48-year-old man in the year 2022. Curse of Peladon has done the job. It was only designed to do once for much younger and less complicated people uh, in 1972, uh, and it's still doing it uh, 50 years later. Good for the Curse of Peladon. I love Doctor Who. And look, I hope this podcast has done its job, which is, um, well, you know, the erring on the positive thing is to hopefully make you, you know... Go off with a spring in your step, or at least go. Well, I've got my problems, but at least I'm not that guy. That guy being me, your host, Toby Haydock. Thank you very much for listening, and I will speak to you next time. Happy times and places. Goodbye. Thank you very much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock. And my special guest this time around is Paul Cornell, who can be found on Twitter at Paul underscore Cornell. And he also has a website, paulcornell.com. I would like to very much thank patrons of this podcast to include Ruben Herfindahl, Peter Burns, Peter Harness, Rob Leonard, Stephen Moffat, Richard Straw, Nick Tedston, David. I think David wants to be anonymous. If you don't, David, please tell me. There's a couple of Davids, actually. Um, Jenny at Blue Box 99, Paul Cannington, Paul Cook, Richard Chalk, Peter Crocker, Rob Dawson, John Deere, Chris Dunford-Kelk, 
Paul Dunn, Jason Gorman, Siobhan Galichon, Ian Key, Joe Llewellyn, Darren Mackay, Adam Parker and Barry Platt. The music for this podcast has been composed by Dave Gates and the artwork is by Dylan Patterson. Oh, it's all go on patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock, where you can go and uh, subscribe for as little as £3 a month. And you know what? If you sign up for a year, you get 10% off. Even that, what do you get at Patreon? I hear you cry. I don't hear you cry. But just in case you're thinking that, um, you get bonus releases, you get advanced material, and you get a bit of chitter-chatter as well. All sorts of... Oh, and photos of my dog. I have to say, probably the most popular... Part of it is photos of my dog, um, which is heartbreaking for me. And yet, you know, that's just life, isn't it? Um, so uh, if you want to join the Bernard Haydock Appreciation Society, go to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock. Uh, look, uh, not everybody can do or wants to do, uh, fair enough, the monthly commitment. However, if you still want to support the podcast, you can do so at ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydock, where you can pay whatever you want, whenever you want, as often or as little as you want. Uh, and that's a great model, too. Uh, I hate all this sort of coming cap in hand to you, but it's the way of things for self-employed performers. Is this performing? Is that what this is? Uh, <laughs> well, whatever it is. Um, but look, if you can't do any of the financial things, that's totally fair enough. I'm grateful to you for listening and for not having shot yourself by now. But what you can do that is free is go to iTunes and give these five stars and a positive review. That really helps my algorithms. <laughs> And if you want to know what I do the rest of the time, I'm a stand-up comedian, have been for 24 years. Well, no, the comedy club I run has been going for 24 years, so I've been going longer than that. Uh, but the comedy club, it's won several awards. It's just won another one, actually. It's just won two. Um, and it's every Tuesday at XS Malarkey in Manchester, 8pm. Um, and if you can't get to Manchester but want to avail yourself of it, well, we do an online show 8pm, first Sunday of every month at twitch.tv forward slash excess malarkey. In fact, if you go there now, uh, you can get access to an archive of various bits and bobs that we did online. We went online for the pandemic and have sort of carried on, but not to, you know, not with quite as much uh, regularity because we're back on stage live Tuesdays, 8pm, excess malarkey in Manchester. Be great to see if there, if you can make it. Now, this will be interesting because the other half's actually making a tea, so there's a bit of... I can hear a little bit of noise, but uh, I did one the other day where I thought the uh, washing machine and the dog were too noisy, and everyone went, can't hear that. So uh, I've been waiting for ideal conditions, and actually, conditions don't need to be ideal. So um, hopefully you can't hear the preparation of whatever... I don't know what she's having, some sort of curry, I think, or some sort of... I don't know what she does in there. But anyway, could you hear that? It wasn't a spaceship. It was a wheelchair. Um, but if you can't, well, if, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's still going ahead. But I'm just being a little bit uh, blasé about background noise. Anyway, uh, that's what passes for post-credits entertainment this evening. I've really enjoyed The Curse of Peladon. Uh, I hope you did too. As I said, I was quite surprised. Um, for no reason either. But uh, it's like a big warm blanket made of a menagerie of aliens <laughs> and flaming torches right bye